Hello and welcome to episode three of Pause for Popcorn. Uh, if you're a fan, then welcome back. And if you're a first timer, let me give you the rundown. Pause for Popcorn is a movie and television podcast branch of SDGC. That's our parent podcast that talks about all things video games every Thursday. Uh, every single one of these podcasts is archived on our YouTube channel. And you can also find us on audio platforms like SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes and more. Uh, so let's kick things off. Once again, welcome my co-host Justin, as well as our guests John, Dio, and Maddie. How many times have you guys seen Endgame now? Uh, Only once. Twice. 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 <laughs> just, just the one time. I saw it right at, at 6 on opening night. So I'm going Pathetic. again this weekend. <laughs> You're going a third time. I am. Yeah. I absolutely am. The uh, second time. So I've never seen anything like the reaction to this in Infinity War. I've seen uh, lively audiences, but like when people like actually break out into a full-on like cheer in the middle of a movie and it's deafening like uh so it's it's yeah it's i, I love that experience was, the first time but it's nice seeing it a second time with a little bit where you can like actually hear some of the stuff that you missed <laughs> yeah like it, in my theater there was parts where people were cheering and then something else happened that yeah. they wanted to cheer for and then something else happened they wanted to cheer for so it was like <laughs> guys let me at least take it in for a second yeah. no no i i almost blew vicky's eardrums out we were there <laughs> and uh spoiler alert talking about this movie but when 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 cat picked up the hammer i i stood up and lost my shit yeah. it was uh, like i literally I, I, yeah lost i almost my shit. I almost lost my mind at that point. Like well, that was like one of those points where I almost. So that that's a good time to clarify, even though we already dove into it. So this is a spoiler podcast, uh, as John <laughs> as John just alluded to. Um, but honestly, yeah, the the Russo Bros uh, officially declared today end of the spoiler ban. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Go out and yeah. see it. Uh, new Spider Man trailer's out. That spoils this movie. Everyone's already spoiled the movie. <laughs> You're already spoiled, so like, yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about every aspect there, of the movie. There's no way anybody believe... is watching or listening to this, yeah. without having seen the movie. I, can't I, I really hope it. not. I just, I, I just can't believe that Han Solo killed Harry Potter. <laughs> like, I, I just, I'm still reeling from that one, man. The realization that, yeah. you know, yeah, that when when Harry collected all the Triwizard uh, gems, I, mm -hmm. I and assembled them, assembled them in the in the Infinity Cup. I just, it blew my mind. I've been waiting for that moment for so long. So dumb. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll start with just some initial thoughts. Um, I guess we, we won't necessarily go in turns. We can just kind of dive into a discussion on it. What did you guys think of the movie? I fucking loved it. Uh, I don't think it was perfect. It was a little bit messy, but I feel like it was as satisfying as I ever could have imagined it would be. Yeah, I think satisfying is probably, like, the biggest takeaway from this movie because there's so many things that could have gone off the rails or could have, you know, been left dangling that just didn't work. And I feel like all of the main points in this movie worked. Um, there was a lot of really satisfying character payoffs that have been set up for a very long time. Um, and obviously that big final battle is insane like i want to know how much money that scene alone cost because well, i already made it back i guarantee well it. i mean oh, just well, the yeah. paychecks for everyone in that scene were like yeah, 300 million for, like I, I i gotta know how much it costs some of those people that are literally in like a shot <laughs> like I, uh like, evangeline lily she's in it yeah, for like yeah, two minutes yeah, I think she has lines. I think she's just like no. waits next to Scott and they look at each <laughs> Drax, other. No, I mean, I mean, Drax, a, Drax doesn't have any lines. Mantis there's a doesn't bunch have of any people. lines. Yeah, yeah Drax. Don't say Drex anything. Drax just screams. Yeah. <laughs> and like, also, several of those actors were like in interviews talking about how intense and crazy of a shoot it was. It's like you were on set for like maybe an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and um, but like, yeah, like o overall, like. Like, they, they really did do a good job of making this feel like an ending instead of just, like, another hook for an MCU movie, which I thought was, you know, part of the reason why it was very satisfying. So I was quite pleased with it. it, it it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, as you know, as somebody like, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest one here. I'm 38 years old and I've been reading comic books literally since I was old enough to read. So I've read every major Marvel storyline. I've been there the entire time. Um, I could tell you anything you need to know about the Marvel universe. It's, it's, 
my second passions uh, next to next to video games. I love comics. Um, and so this is something that I've been waiting to see like quite literally my entire life. Um, and seeing there in the, like be, being there in the theater and seeing, you know, not just, you know, I mean, literally, you know, not just, you know, Captain America and Iron Man on a page, but like no fucking shit, Captain America and Iron Man, um, it was just like, this was the MCU as a whole is something that's simply unprecedented uh in in the in the not just the american film industry but the international film industry and this this kind of 11-year experiment um you know that they needed to that they needed this this thing needed to pay off in a major way and for me it delivered uh with both barrels on all eight cylinders this was this this was the movie that i needed this was the perfect way to kind of put a bow on this on these first three phases uh of the of the mcu just just an not a nothing is perfect you know obviously um but but this is about as close as it comes to just like you know marvel cinematic nirvana for me i loved i absolutely i loved almost everything about this film i think uh one of the biggest strengths of endgame is that uh we compare the MCU a lot to uh, TV shows because of the structure of it, how, how long the MCU as a whole is. But I felt that Endgame's biggest strength is that it really, like you said, it really feels like a season finale. So it has a lot mm -hmm. of space to breathe. Uh, the mm -hmm. first and second act are really big compared to the third act. So it really feels like the greatest season finale ever. <laughs> it almost really does feel like, a t like the ending of a television series, doesn't it, Dio? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maddie, what did what did you think? Well, like Justin was saying, like so much could have gone wrong in this movie alone, but so much could have gone wrong over the last eleven years, and mm -hmm. like yeah. I'm shocked that it didn't. Because I had I had times. I think it was around like 2014 when like Guardians of the Galaxy: Winter Soldier came out. Like I picked the worst time to be negative about the MCU. But I was like, <laughs> they're not going to deliver on any of this. Like this is not going to pay off. And I walked out of that theater and I was like oh my god like nobody's ever going to be able to set something up like that and pay no. it off like that ever again it's it, like, it, it, it's it makes it makes the dceu look so much paler in comparison well yeah and i think it just kind of i mean that's already kind problem. of been given up on so. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But like i think it underscores the problem with the dc eu whatever they call it like they tried to get to the justice league within like three years too, too quick mm -hmm. too quick yeah and it's like you, know, you gotta quick. give it time yeah, they, they just they just wanted to rush in and get the Avengers money without setting up the Avengers, basically. Yeah. And, and you don't have to do it this way, right? Like, And I think they've realized that with some of their, you know, like with what they're doing with Aquaman and Wonder Woman and things like that. I don't want to make this into like a DC show, but um, <laughs> I, I think they've realized that what Marvel did is incredibly hard to do. And that's not even a knock against DC. This is hard to do. And... I think probably most studios would have failed at it. It's amazing. Like you guys consider so much could have gone wrong. The worst we got was Incredible Hulk and Thor The Dark World. Wait, or if you ask Which, most people. It, it, those aren't like, even bad movies. No, They're like just... there's not a bad movie in the MCU. There's like, you know, run of the mill average films. But and there's I'll no... defend to the death the art design and style of Thor Dark World. I think that movie looks awesome. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It looks it's very different from anything else. Um, Which is another thing this movie did is like it. I don't like Age of Ultron. I know Jeff, John. I think maybe Justin. We all speak Age the of truth, Matt. We all speak yeah. the truth. That movie's boring. But I haven't seen. I haven't seen it in a while. You're boring. Yeah, Me neither. But Endgame like made Age of Ultron have like more emotional weight because of what Tony's talking about in the beginning. Like I said, we totally, need totally. shield, mm -hmm. and then it makes thor the dark world matter which like i have a feeling so many people skipped in their marathon like lead up to end game but now they're like oh i should have watched that one yeah <laughs> and uh, so i guess now we're going to move into the strengths and we'll talk about some of the weaknesses of the film um but like you guys touched on one of the strengths is its characters that we've gotten to know them over so long and another thing i think is amazing not just in Endgame, but over the course of all these movies we've had different directors different writers characters show up in one another's movies it's amazing how consistent the characters are written and portrayed when you consider that you have, uh, you know, uh, Marcus and McFeely, like, writing Endgame or Infinity War, and the Guardians feel the same as they do when James Gunn wrote them in Guardians of the Galaxy. And, like, it's just, it, 
it would be very easy to get one version of Captain America and another version of Captain America. But um, I think the collaboration between all the different directors and writers and, you know, Feige probably running that show really helped uh, maintain that cohesiveness. And that helped Endgame be as successful as it was. Um, I I think that's also a real testament to the casting choices. Mm -hmm. um, Because, like, some of, like, these characters are so well cast that like even over so many movies like you get that consistency because it it is the same people but they also like are people that really get what these characters are about um on top of you know having writers that collaborate well together i I saw a screen cap today of you know um some old variety article like making fun of marvel for Casting some no name, uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. That guy will never be a success. <laughs> and like you know, he's like honestly, I think it took him a few movies, but like he has so come into that role and really like brought his own like personality and take on Thor that's even different from like the comics and stuff mm-hmm. that um you know I think people have become really attached to um. And then, you know, obviously Evans is Captain America, Robert Downing Jr. is as Iron Man, everybody else. Like, the casting has been was so on point that I don't think um, that they would have been able to pull this off if they didn't have the people, you know, in these roles on, uh, on as well as the creative team that they had. Yeah, it's you know, not... It's, uh, no, 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 Jeff, I'm sorry. I was ahead, gonna no. say, um, it's really rare to get a char- an actor or actress to own a role so much that you just cannot envision anyone else in that role. It doesn't happen too often. I would say out of like the X-Men movies, the only one really for me is Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Other people did well, but like I could see Patrick Stewart. Too. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it, the fact is in the MCU, if I go through the list of characters and movies, every one of them has stepped up so much from the smaller characters to the bigger ones, that it's really hard for me. I cannot see anyone but Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Like, I can't... <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. each one of these, you know, even a newcomer like, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is strange. Like, I just can't envision anyone else in these roles. And that's, again, the biggest strength of Endgame. And I was surprised. I thought this would be a lot more action-packed. I thought it would be a huge part two of the war that Infinity War set up. And I was really surprised and pleased that it double down on all these characters that were attached to and gave each of them their moment and helped develop and even end their relationships with one another uh, and just stay true to everything that they worked for over the years. That was its biggest strength to me. I, I think, I think, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the fact that the movie just didn't completely collapse at the seams under the weight of everything that was involved in it is a success right there. Um, but I feel that the biggest success of the movie um, was the ending and not, I'm not talking about the, the big final battle, which is probably the, one of the most glorious things I've ever seen put on cinema, but the way that they wrapped up the stories of both Iron Man and Captain America. Um, this was, this was the only way, this was the only way that Tony, what, what really spoke to me as somebody who suffers from depression and chronic, you know, just constant anxiety was the, it was the fact that Tony had been suffering from the same thing ever since the attack on New York in 2012. Um, and this was something like the end game, as he said it, you know, that up there, that's the end game. Um, and uh, of course, you know, the title of the movie is a, is a direct callback to that. And this is something that you saw the effects. Uh, he suffered the effects of this in, in Iron Man 3. Um, he was having flashbacks. He was suffering from PTSD. He was having panic attacks over this. Uh, and there was a line in Infinity War where uh where thanos uh said you know stark and he says you know me and he says you're not the only one cursed with knowledge and then tony says my only curse is you thanos has been what has been cursing tony for the past seven years and now at the end when pepper says you know we're gonna be okay you can rest now um that to me just that was the and and that's when tony finally died that's when he finally let go he said okay you guys got it now i don't i can now i can now i can Mm -hmm. finally rest and that um, that combined with the very, I thought, very heartfelt, touching way they wrapped up Cap's story, giving him that, finally giving him that dance with Peggy, letting him live out his life with her. Um, I, I thought that those were the perfect endings for those characters. Uh, and um, 
I just I, I feel the way that the movie handled finality, not just with Tony's death, but with Black Widow's death, was done really well. Those th- mm-hmm. those all those sacrifices meant something in the end. Deal? How do you how do you feel? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I agree with most of what John said, but I don't know if I'm a, I agree uh, totally with uh, Natasha or Black Widow's death sacrifice. It felt. I mean. Out of all the characters, uh, either her or Clint, uh, doing the sacrifice are really made sense to do it. But I'm not sure the way it was done was really okay. I mean, mm-hmm. she, uh, how do I explain? The way she tries to convince Clint to do it being, I don't know, almost being uh, being frigid. I, I didn't like that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, I was not a that's... huge fan of her that death that's that's like that scene was weird to me just in general like (laughs) it felt like like that scene like especially like when they're fighting and stuff like the more i think about it like it almost feels like that scene was like that fight was like the writers going back and forth (laughs) deciding which like which (laughs) one of them was going to get killed off like they kind (laughs) of felt like two characters that they don't know what to do with from here on out. My and it was like almost like flipping a coin kind of thing. Like I, I didn't have an issue with Black Widow sacrificing herself. I felt like that was a fitting uh, end to her arc. My issue was the fact that she didn't get a funeral. <laughs> I'm like, what about Black Widow? Like, yeah. Hulk got mad and threw a bench, but that's it. Like, like why doesn't she get a funeral? Well, like that, I mean, one, they they were still it. They still had some things to take care of, and I'm sure. Uh, but they well, even like afterward, like you could, you know, they they even talk about if she they ask if she had any family or friends, and they're like, it's us. So I think they they probably mourned her privately in their own way. But I agree when when Tony gets this big send off to not really uh, show or acknowledge uh, one of the original Avengers is a little a little. It, it was it was all just a little uh, strange how they how they handled it. Maddie, did you want to elaborate any more on why you didn't like it? I think her arc like within this movie is good like mm-hmm. her being so despondent after the five years and just like trying to keep the avengers going because it's all she knows her sacrificing herself makes sense in within this movie but i think like looking at her arc over the last however many movies since iron man 2 mm-hmm. like it does just feel like they didn't know what to do with her and they're yeah. like well one of them's got to die uh <laughs> let's kill the woman because mm-hmm. hawkeye's getting a tv show like yeah, and I, I feel like the Russo she's still getting a, she's still getting a movie that is interesting. Yeah, yeah she is. But I mean it's uh-huh. probably going to be a prequel. I'm sure yeah. it is. I mean everybody already already assumed that that was going to be, you know, a prequel of her, yeah. you know, assassin days. So. Yeah, I, I really liked what the Russos did with her in Winter Soldier um and Civil War and it's too bad that uh she didn't get her movie sooner. I mean, not that every per, every character needs their own solo movie. Uh, but I feel like given how much we've been hinted at her backstory and how little she's been given time to develop in these other movies, she really could have used something to flesh her out a bit more. Um, and I think that's that's also why like that whole Soulstone scene didn't quite work for me because like mm-hmm. they haven't done enough to make me care about either character. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. one of like either Hawkeye mm-hmm. or Widow are going to die in this scene. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like. Well, you know, like in some of the other, like especially in, and and this is kind of like goes for both Infinity War and Endgame. Like they do a really good job of making you, like, freak out and be really like worried, like who's going to make it out of this scene and who isn't. Yeah. And that scene, I'm just like, okay, well, one of them's not going to make it out, kind of her, thing. Her, her death would have landed like so much harder emotionally if we had had ev- even just one solo movie, mm-hmm. just kind of like fleshing her out and giving her like some semblance of an arc before this, because. Before this, it's been like her her romance with Bruce, her helping Cap, uh, the stuff in Age of Ultron. But like none mm-hmm. of that's been like a connective thing over the years. It's just kind of like its own discrete thing. Each movie. Mm-hmm. Can we can we all agree though that some of the absolute strongest parts in the movie were the um, the revisiting older Marvel films like Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor two. Um, the America, that, yeah, that is America's ass. Like those were some, <laughs> for me, those were some of the strongest parts of the movie. Oh my we god, see, the, we got to see scenes that see, like that, yeah. that 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 we normally like, like what happened after the Avengers beat Loki in in mm-hmm. uh, in Avengers Tower. Um, you know, like seeing characters like you know Brock Rumlow and Alexander Pierce, like that that was really fucking cool. The 
the Hail Hydra. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was a the call, great the call back to the to Secret Empire. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, and Winter Soldier, like, <laughs> like two at yeah. the same time. Like that yeah. scene was super good. But uh, no, no, I'm, I'm just I'm also, referencing the fact that Captain yeah. America said Hell Hydra, which is like, like no, yeah, no, I, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, okay, gotcha. But then, okay, but then it was also initially framed <laughs> like the yeah. Uh, the elevator scene yeah no i i got you it's but like it wrapped both of those up and then like the scene with thor and his mom uh was i thought it was really really good like that was one of my favorite parts of this movie and i think it did a really good job of like continuing thor's arc that um you know has kind kind of started in ragnarok where you know he's starting to doubt his own abilities and like when he you know, he sees his mom, and then when he gets Mjolnir back, and, like, he's, like, almost in tears, like, I'm still worthy. Despite like, all his depression yeah. and PTSD, that, yeah, for, so, um, for somebody like me, that one hit home as well. Like, like that, se- that scene was really good. Um, really touching. And, yeah. like, it, it did a good job of recontextualizing, like we mentioned earlier, recontextualizing a movie that, you know, people kind of had written off uh, being important to the MCU, like, kind of added <laughs> that in. So I... Like I really enjoyed those callback things. Like they were very, very fan servicey, <laughs> but very well done. Yeah, th- I thought I lo- I agree with everything you said about Thor. I do feel like they missed a little bit on on him in this movie. Um, th- I agree. The scene with his mom was great. I felt like the uh, the beer gags went on a little bit too long, like a little bit too much. Like the first time they showed him in the hut, I'm like, okay, like hilarious. He's he's like a mess. He's just completely given up. But then they kind of keep just, they just keep hitting it, and and I See, I really try to give it a second chance in the second viewing. When but they, when 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 they were in Asgard and he was like he was like where are you going? He's like oh my father's got a yeah. Wife. That's when I was you like know, I, I was like okay we get it like mm-hmm. he he likes beer but I mean come on I like, like beer. yeah. See, to to me that actually kind of made it go a step further than like oh Thor's just kind of partying to ignore stuff and it's like oh. Thor is actually an alcoholic now. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I get why people. You I, know, don't I get what you're saying, Thor but stuff. it's it's not framed as being serious like that. Like, it's not it's not shown like we're supposed to empathize with him. It's played yeah. for laughs, and I feel like it was just yeah. played one too many times. But yeah, I, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, there were like moments where they would play it serious, but it was like sandwiched between two jokes so like the serious moment didn't have time to breathe before they were like kicking you back into another joke about his weight or Mm -hmm. his or like using his sadness as a joke like i i liked i'm like of two minds with the thor stuff i really like that they didn't have him like get shredded in the last battle and like he kept the (laughs) way i was waiting for that yeah so was i Mm -hmm. like he he owned like who he is now i like that but there were just way too many moments where they were like, haha, Thor's big now. Haha, like mm-hmm. he's he's, yeah. he's mumbling and falling asleep. I get that, but for me, like it works because it was, you know, Thor was acting goofy because MCU Thor is kind of a goofy guy, but like you could see everybody else like, you know, was sad for him and stuff. Like I, I do get the complaints with that, but yeah. it really it really worked for me. And also as somebody that, you know, has been through similar stuff like that. Um, you know, it was like, even the stuff that was played for jokes, I thought wasn't mean spirited. Um, it was more just playing with Thor's personality yeah. in this situation. The the two, the two things I disliked the most was Rhodey and rocket, like kind of shitting on him about it. Um, like with the cheese whiz and the mm. jokes, like I thought they could have cut that out because like, the first encounter with him and Bruce and Bruce is like so understanding and calm and like, look, I know, but we need your help. And then for two of his friends to just be like, kind of not very empathetic towards him. I I just, speaking of Bruce, I just wanted to give professor Hulk a hug. Like every time I saw him, (laughs) I didn't but, realize he said dab in the, like, when he did yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, before we move on to Hulk, I just, yeah, the last thing I want to say on Thor was, um, I don't know if it was intentional, but I feel like in the last battle, he was channeling Odin a little bit with both with the longer hair and the beard uh, yeah. and maybe even the bigger stature. Yeah. And I think that's maybe brain. why it bothered yeah. me so much because I felt like if they just did an initial joke and then just played it straight with a bigger Thor through, through the whole film, like... Why can't we have a main superhero that's a little bit heavier, that's not, like, traditionally cut? 
and he looked like an actual Viking warrior. Yeah, and yeah. I yeah. I hope Thick Thick Thor stays. He won't. He, he won't. He, he's not going no. to. I mean, it's no. it's Hemsworth. Like <laughs> yeah. we all know how Hemsworth is built. Yeah. yeah like I like Thick Thor. <laughs> Uh, although can we all it, like I, I feel like there was a missed opportunity for a post credit scene where him and uh, Quill were on the Bowflex like <laughs> uh, on the Milano like I feel like there was a I feel like there was a missed opportunity there well, that's gonna be that's gonna be that's like the, the opening scene of Guardians, Guardians yeah. 3 right <laughs> they're both committing they got some dumbbells they got the Bowflex I'm mm-hmm. gonna commit um, how did you all feel about Captain Marvel in this movie she, I was surprised she didn't have a bigger role. She didn't have a she, yeah. She didn't have a very large role. Right. Um, and like and like I've got some questions about how she knew where Tony and Nebula. Like she's like, I mean, was that blind luck or well, was she? she... At the so, end uh, of Captain Marvel in the post credit scene, she shows up at Avengers HQ, and I'm assuming they told her where they were. And and, and Pepper was there waiting, so I think mm-hmm. they she came back and then they sent her out and then she uh, came back okay and they yeah. were just waiting. Yeah, that part was unclear because I, I mean, like, it's weird to put so much weight on a post-credit scene from the previous yeah. movie that was not yeah. set up at all. Like at, at first when I saw it, I just assumed that it was a scene that got. I mean, it probably was a scene that got cut because this is a what three-hour movie, and they probably yeah. still had to, you know, leave stuff on the floor. But <laughs> yeah, that I am pretty sure that's what that was. Um, you know, I'll, I'll let everyone else chime in, but I, I on the first viewing, I was a little disappointed, and I don't know if this was me or the fan base or Marvel themselves, but I felt like there was this weird aura around Captain Marvel that she was going to be this big savior and the star of Endgame and her movie. But looking back at it, like I don't know where that really came from, and it makes sense. This is a send-off to the original Avengers. Um, I like that they didn't let her suddenly show up at the last minute. She's presumably going to have plenty of moments to shine over the next 10 years. Um, and they managed to keep the focus, and it made sense. What is she going to do when they're doing the time heist? She has no place there. It made sense for her to not be present for most of the movie. Her return uh, made sense. It made sense. She was about to own Thanos until he ripped the Power Stone off the gauntlet. So that part made sense on why he was able to counter her. So that kind of explains away the power gap there. So That was a baller move, by the way. When yeah. he pulled the Power Stone out, I was like, okay, Thanos. Yeah, so I, I, I'm okay with it. Like, I understand why maybe some Captain Marvel fans are really upset, but I, I thought... I thought it was good that she was present and her power was there, but she didn't upstage anyone. Yeah, she was in it like just enough. I because mm-hmm. I think if you had had her, her movie came out what um, two months ago. Yeah, I think uh, if you had had this person who was introduced to the MCU come in two like two months ago and just mm-hmm. be the one who solves everything, that just undercuts all the rest of the people who have been here for eleven <laughs> years. Mm-hmm. So. That said, I really like it. Uh, Daniel's reaction to the headbutts not working at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll the look of it. absolute terror. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Like, if there was if there was a weak link in this movie for me, it was actually Thanos, um, because you know, in Infinity War, I think he shapes up as the best MCU villain. Like, they gave that character a range of depth and 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 feeling that. I was not expecting, um, you know, he was, a. I mean, Thanos in Infinity War got more screen time than I think any other character, actually. That, that, that movie was more well, about he's, Thanos. He's pretty much the protagonist in Infinity yeah, exactly. War. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. And you saw sides of that character that I don't think any of us were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as fucked up as his motivations were, like, he thought he was genuinely trying to help the universe out. Like, he thought that he was a savior. He felt like he was doing – and he didn't want to rule the galaxy. He didn't want to when, – when, when, he, when he snapped, he, he went back to this farm and he retired. And he destroyed the gems because he didn't want to be tempted to use them again. Um, and uh, he was like, my work is done. I've saved everybody. But Thanos in this movie, past Thanos, is just obsessed with power. And he even says it. He says, you know – He's like, you know what? You've convinced me that, you know, what I've been trying to do is wrong. Instead, I'm just going to fucking rip everything apart and build, rebuild everything in my image. And, you know, so, I'm going to. And it was just like your, it was your standard evil villain plot stuff. And yeah. it wasn't like bad per se, but compared to his motivations and characterization in the first movie, I found it lacking. But that's the point. Uh, end game Thanos shows that uh, all Thanos are absolutely full of shit. Yes, I I actually really like it because I didn't I wasn't a fan of the reaction to Infinity War that was like 
Thanos finally an empathetic villain. It's like no, he's just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he's not he's empathetic. He's fucking no. insane. But yeah, I, he's I, nuts. I heard people saying he's empathetic mm-hmm. and like, oh, I can understand him. I can sympathize with him. And I like that this movie kind of like mm-hmm. came, like pulled it back and was like, no, maybe like maybe <laughs> he can't like his motives were like reasonable seeming, but mm-hmm. like the root of it is he's just power hungry. He just wants people to bow to him. And well, that's this the thing. Just a justification. Well, and for, for me, doing this, for me, it worked too because, like, you know, it was past Thanos, and like mm-hmm. the Thanos in Infinity War, um, you know, especially post Snap, would not have line like lined himself up in a way that we could get that big final battle with everybody mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. anything. So by having it be, you know, Thanos from a few years before, before he had really fully set his plan into motion, before he had really thought everything through um, and really had, like, embraced the weight of what he was doing, um, I, I, I think it worked um, yeah, and for me. Like, like, like it's very distinctly a different Thanos than the one from Infinity War. Yeah, well, and, like, not to make it political, but... I like I think we see this in a lot of politicians that they they say like oh we want to help people like we want this <laughs> we want that and like the root of their motivation is just more power more mm-hmm. like <laughs> people, people being like oh you're so great you're so great and then, that's what Thanos is like he's like oh yeah I want to help people but actually I really just want people to look up to me mm-hmm. and like think I'm great well, and that's and well, and you know that's following the archetype of almost every dictator that's ever that's ever been on Earth. You know, it's like you know, you know, I present myself as a savior, but mm-hmm. what I really want is, is power. I just miss that. I, I thought I thought Thanos as a character, like, I got the sense that he convinced himself that his motivations were altruistic in Infinity War, and I felt like that was a really interesting way to to present that character because in the comic books in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, he was just trying to make Death fall in love with him um you know he wasn't he you know he wasn't an environmentalist basically like he was (laughs) in infinity war um he just wanted he wanted to get in death's pants that's literally what his motivation was for why we don't have the universe this was so much better than that (laughs) i agree completely i i agree completely um Mm -hmm. but yeah like like, and again like it wasn't bad it's just like i felt like there was some nuance and characterization there in, in infinity war that i i really liked and and it wasn't here so i think it might play better watching Infinity War and Endgame back to back. It might. Because you, mm-hmm. you won't, like, Endgame does feel like he doesn't have a ton of screen time. But, like, if he really doesn't. If mm-hmm. you're coming right off of Infinity War and having all that characterization, and then you well, jump right into. Which I'm absolutely doing that this year, by the yeah. way. Those movies are getting watched back to back. And yeah, I remember when. Great, because, like, you'll see that version of him on his mm-hmm. farm, and then you'll get it juxtaposed with the version before he, you know, yeah. came up with his environmentalist spiel and i remember that conversation when infinity war came out and even on this podcast uh, we talked about it there were a lot of characters that didn't get much screen time in infinity war captain america hardly has a line um and i remember the russos promised we gave more attention to black panther and spider-man and doctor strange and stuff in infinity war and there's a reason it's because we're going to show you the other side of these characters in end games and same goes for Thanos. So I well, feel because like... none of those characters are barely yeah. in, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was very deliberate. And I think the balance, and I, again, like you said, watching the back to back, I think we'll appreciate it a lot more. I think the balance is very good where you get this side and this view and these people in this movie, and then you get the other half. There are two halves of a whole. Yeah. And that's something I, I wanted to comment on because like, I'm not quite as high on Infinity War as most people are. I, I mean, I still like it. I don't Cursed think it's opinion. bad or anything. <laughs> but, like, um, I wasn't as big of a fan of it as a lot of people seem to be. Um, but I really want to watch these two movies back-to-back because I really do think that they are, you know, very deeply entwined as much as they are entwined with the rest of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really curious to see what that back-to-back wash is like yeah well remember when they were announced it was infinity war part it was one part, one, part, two. Two. part yeah. one and two and I, yeah. I think when they renamed part two people thought they would be a little more disconnected but they they're still definitely play as part one and part two it feels like one movie 
um it, it does i i've got a i've got a i've got a question for everybody because this has been i've been actually kind of rolling this around in my head ever since i knew that we were doing the um the post for popcorn today uh jeff so Je jeff as long as it's right i'd like to post a question to the group mm -hmm. um just a quick one at the end so you know obviously uh steve rogers goes back with and he replaces the uh all the infinity stones and mjolnir apparently and um you know goes back to live his life and they say that the uh, earlier in the movie uh hulk established that the past can't affect the future because if you go back into the future and you know you know but he set all the rules down mm -hmm. right but when cap goes back to the past he pops up in the in the current timeline as an old man and 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 mm -hmm. the way that the way that hulk explained it doesn't really jive with that so um because because he said look there's we talked about alternate you know alternate realities and stuff and, and i'm like okay so if those are the rules then then how is cap so how is how is this captain america still I, in this timeline i struggled with that and i paid very close attention on my second viewing and i think i figured it out but we we can discuss it and it makes sense so if you pay attention when cap goes back in the 70s he grabs four vials of the pim particle he only needs two he only needs one for him and one for tony so he has extra pim particles now the way they explain it in the movie so there's there's a couple things that people were confused about one is when the ancient one talks about these dark branches she's only referring to dark kind of hopeless timelines where the stones have been removed and they're saying putting them back will correct those it doesn't mean that putting the stones back corrects all the timelines you still have branching timelines it just means there's no dark ones that are entirely doomed they still have hope but things can play out differently so let's go back to captain america his time is a straight line nothing he does can change that there's the beginning of his life and the end of his life it's a straight line no matter what he goes back in time does this does that those are all continually part of his future so when he goes back in time to live with peggy for that version of Cap, that's his present. He's going back in time, but he's not going back in his own past, if that makes sense. So he lives his life with Peggy, and a lot of people think he lived his life with her and then just strolled back over to that bench, which, correct, would not make sense because he'd be in an alternate future. What he does is lives his life with her, then goes back in time all the way to when he initially left on the platform using the pin particles and his bracelet and shows up on the bench at that exact time. So he goes back to his own past. Yeah. There, there was an interview with the Russo brothers where they said it's, mm -hmm. it's like timelines. He's not going to the, the main MCU's past. He's going he, to a past. He, he branches like in a different, he branches off oh, when he, sorry, go ahead, Dio. Which oh. is funny because uh, both the writers and the Russo <laughs> disagree on what's exactly happened with Cap. <laughs> For the Russos, it's an alternate timeline. Mm -hmm. For the writers, uh, he was always uh, Peggy's wife. Or Peggy's husband. Or Peggy's husband. Huh. So then, did he make out with his niece in Civil War? Sure did. <laughs> yes. So I, I, yeah, for, <laughs> for, me, for me, it works so much better if I just think about it as hmm. like, two, like, it's so much easier to understand and makes so much more sense to me if I think of it as just two alternate timelines. Mm -hmm, there's yeah. the main MCU timeline that we all know. And then they got the, the they all went to the same timeline where they got the infinity stones. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. the one that cap went back to, to return them and then lived with Peggy. Yeah. He lit, he branched off when he went back with Peggy and then all he did was go back in time to when he branched off and returned to the original timeline. Even if it disconnects with what some of the writers have said, I feel like that makes the most sense. He can't, when you guys joke about him, like making out with his niece, there's, the way they establish it, where you your past cannot affect your future, he could not possibly like he he couldn't have gone back and like it doesn't make sense. I, I don't know how else to describe it's, it. It's it's the it's the only way it makes sense. Yeah. if it's Back like, to the Future is bullshit. That's the rule of the movie. Oh, also, yeah. also I, I, I think parallel timelines. Yeah. I think I, I think at the end of the day, like what I what what I ultimately decided was, you know what, I'm I'm worrying about this in a movie with giant purple yeah. uh, Titan men and with double edged swords and in in reality altering stones. Like I'm just gonna turn my brain off on this one. <laughs> but also, what's more important, like the drama of the moment, or exactly, the yeah, technicalities yeah. behind the rules. It's, it's well, comic book and magic. That, like you can explain yeah. it a million different ways. Sorry, go ahead, Jason. The, the one criticism I heard of that that also 
you know, it being two alternate timelines makes more sense for is that people were like, well, does this erase everything, you know, Peggy did on her own without Cap um, to just make her, you know, like his reward at the end of the storyline. And like by having it be two alternate timelines, like we still get the badass Peggy from like Agent Carter and stuff that did everything on her own, as well as another Peggy that lived with Cap. Yeah, because she still needs to have done all that stuff mm -hmm. to get to the point where Cap yeah. can't go back. So. To make out with his niece. <laughs> uh, I guess, does anyone want to talk about Loki? Is There's a timeline where Loki's just out there. Yes. That He's was, out there that, somewhere. That's got to be a tie-in for his Disney Plus series, yeah. right? Yeah, in 2020 thinking. on yeah. Disney Plus. It, that would be a clever way to do it. Although I want to I point out real quickly... Uh, everyone thinks it means Loki lived, but when you think about it, even in that timeline, Thanos is probably still trying to collect all the gems, so it's very possible he still just well, finds Loki with well, the stone and kills him. <laughs> I've been thinking about that, and I think it would be really cool is, like, because in that timeline, it's not too far later when their Thanos gets killed. So, I think it would be really interesting if that was Loki trying to fill that power vacuum and collect the stones and gauntlet and stuff for himself in that timeline. That'd be neat. What, what I'm curious about is to whether or not they will change uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier to Captain America and, and Winter Soldier, because Falcon is now Captain America. I, I don't think they're going to. He's taking it's, up the mantle. I think I, it's I going know, to be, but... like, at the end of that... Like, he's probably, like... The series is probably going to be like, oh, I don't feel comfortable being Captain America after yeah. Steve. And then at the end, he finally... Like fully becomes Captain. It's gonna be like all those DC shows, like Smallville and Gotham, yeah. where like yeah. you just wait the whole series, and the last shot is you, him you in get the like costume. Ten seconds of him in the costume. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Falcon's arc in that show is going to be him struggling with taking on the mantle because mm. he he had that little like, are you sure? Like, I don't really doesn't feel like mine thing. And a lot of people are kind of critical of like, oh, mm. Sam, like Bucky should have been Cap because Sam didn't really have that much interaction with him. And I think that ser this series is probably a, a good lead yeah. to him. I, I, I was surprised. I was surprised that Bucky didn't get the shield simply because chronologically he gets the shield before Sam does in the comics. But it could have gone to either one. But also, think... like, think about the public perception around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And around, around passing it to yet another white man. Yeah, I yeah, agree. That, that, no, no, no. That, no. That... Like in the MCU. Like, if you yeah. watch Civil War, like, people know who the Winter Soldier is. They know yeah. what he's done. Like, they, they, they do not accept him. Imagine but, but Captain I, I, America. I, I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I'm also, I know, it's just because I'm also glad they gave it to Sam just because I, I didn't necessarily want another mm -hmm. straight white man as Captain America. Like, let, let, let's let's move on from that and try something else. Um, um, so I, that's, that's why I like it going to Sam. While we're on the Bucky Sam thing, I. We, there's very few weaknesses, I think, in these movies um, in terms of characters. I was disappointed in Infinity War and Endgame still let me down with regards to uh, Cap and Bucky's relationship. Uh, Rewatching the first Avenger, that friendship and bond is so strong. It makes sense that it's fractured in Winter Soldier and to an extent Civil War. But I was really hoping to get a little bit more closure. I, I feel like, and I think the directors acknowledge that it's hinted at that Bucky and uh, Steve had some sort of conversation because Bucky knows he's going back and not coming back for a long time. Um, but I feel like we needed to see another conversation with the two of them. And maybe it's just too much damage has been done, too much. But I, I never felt like I got a really good sense of closure with their relationship and their friendship. Does that make it sense? Well, no, it's interesting. It's interesting you say that, Jeff, because you know, like Cat or like Bucky definitely hinted at the end. He's like, "I'm going to miss you." Whereas mm -hmm. Sam and Hulk were like, "See you in a few seconds." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but but Dio, you had your finger up, man. Go ahead, dude. Yeah. Uh, I want to argue something. Like, uh, I would ha I would have liked uh, to see a scene that, she, like you said, Jeff. But I think when uh, Hulk Banner didn't get his character development. Uh, in this movie, as he should have, mm -hmm. we just just time skip, and he's Professor Hulk. Mm -hmm. I don't really think we would really had seen Buck talking with Cap because of that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's the other thing is about about Hulk is that um, and this just kind of struck me, Dio, but um, he didn't like for being the Hulk. I don't remember him getting like a single 
I don't really remember any of his fight scenes from the movie. Like all all, all of Hulk's scenes were were kind of goofy or talking or figuring out time travel or or snap or you know putting the gauntlet on and and snapping. But I don't re- I don't remember him. Like I know he was there at the final battle, but I couldn't tell you what he did. He it just felt like held up some of the debris for like the other guys. That was about it. Yeah, didn't, underneath didn't he, the Avengers. Didn't he hop in and fight Thanos at one point? No, when, he like, never. Everybody I, was ganging up on him. Think, I don't maybe for him like a couple Thanos. hits, but not like. I don't I, remember him fighting I, Thanos. I think I wish he'd gone in and. Yeah, there wasn't a big like Hulk out moment. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. Yeah, I but, think. But, but I mean, I guess that's because he was already Hulk, right? And, like, and just due to the structure of the movie, there's actually not really any fight scenes until the final act. Um. So yeah, maybe he didn't have his moment right at the end there. Um, although I although I did love seeing Cap versus Cap. That was that was <laughs> great when he calls himself yeah. out on uh, yeah. his. Oh, I could do this all day because I I, I yeah. thought they were gonna. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I thought they were going to use that again, and the way they just kind of made fun of it was so self-aware and hilarious. Um, I'm glad they didn't do that at the end, by the way, Jeff. I'm glad he didn't look at Peggy and say, I could do this all day. Oh, like, cool. I'm, I'm glad they didn't. I'm oh. glad they didn't do that. <laughs> they, like, I, was, I was waiting for it, too. I was like, he's going to say it. But then he just kissed her. I was like, okay, good. This is why you're not a screen <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm saying I'm glad they didn't do it. I'm, 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 I'm relieved they didn't do it. I would have been the worst thing ever <laughs> that would have been terrible yeah there were uh, a lot of callbacks and nods and i think it's a really tough line to walk between mm-hmm. uh being too on the nose and giving just enough to reward you and i feel like they nailed it um yeah. go ahead maddie it all it all just felt like very earned which mm-hmm. i think is again the 11 year buildup. What, what else is interesting is I think this movie definitely hinted that Cap was fully capable of picking up the hammer in Age of Ultron, but chose not to. Um, because <laughs> Thor, Thor said, I knew it. And um, he knew that he knew that Cap was worthy. I think Cap was aware. He was like, oh, shit, I can pick this hammer up. But he didn't. But he didn't want to. Uh, that's that's the distinct impression I get from Endgame is that I, I, Cap was Cap was worthy all along. Yeah, I will say Sorry, it doesn't really answer your question. Um, just on the topic of the hammer, it did. It was kind of weird in that it kind of contradicts Ragnarok a little bit when Odin basically tells Thor, "The hammer isn't your power; it just helps you focus it." And then Cap wields it and is like summoning down lightning and shit like that. He's getting I thought, lightning. Yeah, well, like, yeah. Go that, ahead. Dude. That's because the Mjolnir uh, grants whoever is worthy the power of Thor. Oh, oh so Cap has the power to okay. yeah. the power of Thor. That's Ragnarok that's a great contradicts point. the earlier movies. Okay. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, Ragnarok. You see, in Ragnarok, you see a mural of Hela holding Mjolnir, and I was like, how the hell was she ever worthy? <laughs> well, I also, I also just kind of take that line from Ragnarok because, like, mm-hmm. uh, just a father son, like, you okay, know, yeah, like, you're still powerful, mm-hmm. like the real power's kind of in here. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. Just a pep- yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the real Avengers were the friends we made along the way. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to say, and I'm so glad Dio's here because he was on my Agents of Shield podcast. I did. We didn't. We didn't get a scene of the ship with all the Shield agents blowing up and killing them. Uh, but we had our first TV MCU cameo, uh, and it was Jarvis from Agent yeah, Carter. Right. Yeah, and yes, that was Jarvis. it. Was so amazing because I love James Darcy. I love that character and the relationship with Peggy. And it was just so unexpected of all the, it wasn't any Netflix characters. It wasn't the agents of the shield people. It was Jarvis from agent of car, agent card. I just have to give that a shout out. That was, that was cool. I, I noticed that too. That was cool. Also Howard, the duck, Howard, the, the duck was battle. in the final yeah, battle. I, yeah. What? Yeah. You didn't just, yeah. When, so when hope like lands or yeah. the first time they reveal like, Oh, hope's back. Uh, there's a group of ravagers and you can see him like Howard <laughs> tucked behind her. Yeah. He's, he's got so like a good. big, he's got like a big energy cannon. He's wearing his, he's wearing his maroon suit and everything. Uh, I wonder how many other like little cameos like that could be hidden in that scene. Like, especially when everybody's, like, coming yeah, out of the strange portals. There's probably way more than just... We need some done. 4K freeze M'Baku frames. M'Baku was yeah. there. Did you, guys, did you guys catch M'Baku? Yeah, I saw him. Yeah. M'ba- yeah. I saw him charging, like, like, yeah. Like, like, blink and you miss him, but but mm-hmm. but you will you see M'Baku when they're charging towards mm-hmm. uh, Thanos' yeah. army for the first time. He's out front. That's the only time you see him, too. Um, but before we move on, I also, since we're talking about the final battle, I want to address the, uh, the kind of female team-up shot. 
I've oh, seen yeah. some people complain that it's pandering, but I'm also which I it was so good though. It, it, the like, entire movie is pandering to MCU <laughs> yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. It's just this one scene is pandering maybe to people that aren't specifically you. So, like, what is the issue with just I, having a fun it. moment? I when I think when, the, let's go especially ahead, like. Especially since, like, they were stepping in, like, for Spider-Man and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just... I loved that scene. Like, I I know it's, you know, kind of a pandering thing. But, like, there's a lot of new fans of Marvel stuff that are women. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm sure they loved that scene. Like, we well, haven't really gotten a big women team up in Vicky loved it. Like, she was, Vicky was freaking out. <laughs> she loved that scene. And besides, like Jeff said, like... Like, Cap getting the hammer was pandering to the nth degree. I yeah. mean, like, that was the ultimate pander. Like, yeah. Cap picks up Mjolnir and beats the shit out of Thanos with it. Like, you... Do, Despite you, never you wanna, wielding a hammer before. If you want to pander to me, that's how you do it. You have Captain America pick up pick up Mjolnir. So, like like Jeff said, the whole movie was... The entire MCU is pandering to comic book fans. <laughs> so, people can get yeah. over it. The, the one thing I'll say about that is I don't think... Like, the people who were, like, annoyed about it weren't the people who, like, hate Brie Larson or whatever. No, um, no, I, I wasn't saw, trying to imply that. No, no, no. But, like, I saw a few people who took issue with the fact that, like, it's kind of like, oh, look at how much diversity we have. Look at how many women we have. When, like, those – there's been one solo woman movie. Like, yeah. uh, would, the criticism yeah. I saw was that they didn't exactly earn it, which mm-hmm. I think can be remedied by them earning it in the future. Yeah. Well, I do think – I, I do, do think, like, you know – spider-man handing off the gauntlet to them and them kind of taking over was kind of a statement about the future of where the mcu is going to be going they've made they've made statements saying that diversity is is very important to them going forward yeah i'd love to see i'd love to see like a kamala khan movie Mm -hmm. i want to see a valkyrie movie that i not like a thor movie like for sure we haven't seen the last of her yeah um yeah she'll be in fort thor just to follow up on what maddie said i think i agree this this, I, the problem isn't with the scene itself. Like you said, it hasn't earned it. And I think that's fine. I don't think it needs to earn it. I think it's more that scene is just a reminder of how much they missed the mark with their female characters up until now. So it's yeah. almost like, well, this is great, but like, where the fuck has this been for the last 11 years? And then yeah, the salt in the wound is that the original female Avenger, Black Widow, yeah, is literally God. dead on the ground at Vormir and isn't even in that final charge. That really bugged me that like she didn't get to be a part of that. Yeah. And, also, like, and, and Pepper came out. got to be in it with mm-hmm. which like Pepper yeah, has rescue armor. Yeah. And Pe- Pepper hasn't used the armor ever before. Uh, I did really like that though. Yeah. I mean it was cool but like I mean it was just well, like, they tease it, it in Iron Man like they, 3 when she's in the armor yeah. and I knowing Tony, I can easily see a scene where he's just like paranoid about everything and paranoid about the end of the world and like teaches her like you need to protect her if i'm gone i mean it it almost felt like she was there instead of black widow because you know Mm -hmm. pepper has been in the mcu for so long kind Mm -hmm. of thing that bothered me more not that you know Mm -hmm. she was there at all Mm -hmm. i mean she was the first woman in the mcu yeah she was the the woman in the jeep in the intro scene of iron man oh right yeah (laughs) And talking about the women in the movie, I really, really loved uh, Nebula's arc in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Nebula yeah. was really good in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When oh, I love the symbolism of her killing her past self. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Separating, separating her. Let like, the past like, die. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. It was. Uh, they've kind of been setting it up in the Guardians films. I thought Guardians Two was like a nice step forward for her character, but I was surprised uh, in a movie like this for her to get such a focus. Um, and to see the relationship with her, even though it's past Gamora, um, to see the two of them kind of reconnect there. And it makes me really excited for what Guardians 3 is going to bring. Like her relationship with Tony at the beginning of the film, really cool too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the next Guardians movie is going to be interesting considering that, you know, Gamora's back in play, but it's not the Gamora that they know. And also um, Thor's on the team now. Thor's on the team. So, like, well, I'd lo- I, yeah, like... Yeah, didn't that Gamora go back or something? Because no. I didn't see her with no. them at the end. No. Uh, I, I missed it the first back. time, and then if you look, when they're on the ship at the end, there's a screen up that says searching, and it's got her He's face. searching for yeah. her, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's she's still she's still in she's in the current timeline. So mm-hmm. I guarantee you, the next Guardians movie, like, is part of it's going to revolve around finding Gamora. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which, I, I almost wonder if that leaves the door open for... 
you know, Black Widow to come back or something. It, I don't it know. Won't, the it Soul, won't, and I, the Soul I, I Stone hope is that, a weird it is, but I hope they don't. I like. I'd love to see her back, but I hope they don't. Simply because I think, like, she was like, whether we like it or not, she was sacrificed, and that mm-hmm. would like there, like, she wasn't brought back in the snap for a reason because it would cheapen her death. And if you brought her back after that, then her death is meaningless. And I was so happy um, with this movie that they didn't do that. The people that died: Loki, Heimdall, Gamora, technically, Gamora. Uh, Vision, like people that died. Stay, stay dead and i think well, it, that's it, it, important and makes those it gives meaningful. their death meaning right yeah. jeff you know like it, it it because like if you bring them all back with the snap then mm-hmm. then like like if there's no stakes then nothing has any weight to it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no i like and that was my big question is like we knew that you know the snapped people were coming back but it was if the on not the people that died to thanos that weren't snapped would and they didn't and i, I think that was a good decision Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I guess we'll we'll wrap it up with kind of where we think the MCU is going now. Uh, I think most of us would be in agreement that they will give the big event, overarching villain stuff, a bit of a break, kind of get back to basics and focus on some of the newer standalone characters. Uh, we know they have a couple of new um, solo movies in the works. One of them, I'm sorry, it's a um an asian character i can't remember the name uh, shang chi yeah and uh eternals i think is rumored as well so there's a lot of yep. new stuff coming eternals we know doctor strange 2 black panther 2 guardians 3 so some of the old blood coming back um and eternals is going to feature the first openly gay mcu superhero i hope so because i appreciated what they did with uh the russo cameo in this one but it was mm-hmm. like he's just some i don't know this guy, they, like, <laughs> they shouldn't have mentioned it in the press run or like the. Oh. Yeah, the yeah this is your openly yeah. gay character. Some guy went at a support meeting, went on a date. Don't, don't brag about <laughs> and the fact that that, like, like, because the thing is, like, I didn't, I didn't realize the first time I watched, like, when I watched it, you know, that it was one of them too. Like, I feel like if it was just the scene with, you know, an actor, yeah. doing it, and they hadn't talked about it in the run-up, and it wasn't one of their cameos. Mm-hmm. It would have gone over better, but like it seemed like they were kind of patting themselves on the back for it yeah. preemptively. Yeah, yeah. Totally, <laughs> and, and, and I think they will at some point. I mean, I mean, they're going to get back to the big overarching threat to mm-hmm. you know to to the MCU again, and you know, I wouldn't mind seeing like you know like a like a Kang the Conqueror or uh, or even now that uh, even now that MCU or now that Marvel owns the film rights to the Fantastic Four, bring you know pull Galactus into the mix. Um, a character like Annihilus would work. Um, I would love to see like uh, Victor Von Doom introduced to the MCU as kind of like a big replacement for Loki. He, you know, Victor Von. There are three characters basically like uh, Doctor Doom, uh, Loki, and Red Skull that represent kind of like an a, an existential threat to the entire Marvel universe. And I feel like Doctor Doom would fill those would would fill those shoes really well. Given um, given how much they talk about the earthquake, uh, the the big pools of energy because of the snaps, I think they're starting to plant some seeds for the X Men. I agree. I, I, I agree with that. And and I also I think the I think the earthquake in the ocean was a direct reference to Namor, probably. probably. Um. So you know, like you know, I I, I feel like Namor. Uh, the Submariner is is a definite possibility for the future. Um, I, I there is a lot they can do. Like Cap and Iron Man may be gone, but there's still a mm-hmm. lot of depth in the MCU. I mean, I mean, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think. Um, I think what excites me about the way they seem to be going is, you know, they've dipped their toes into pulling some more, you know, obscure characters in. Like we've seen Strange and the Guardians, and those have become really successful. Um, Black Panther as well. And it seems like they're really kind of going all in on turning more obscure characters into household names and making us care for them as much as we did the main crew. Well, I mean, that's what they did with um, Iron Man. I mean, I mean yeah. Iron, Iron Man was a B-tier character yeah. when, in 2008, so I, I'm and now really, he's like an A-lister. I'm really excited to see where they go, and especially with branching off with, you know, the Disney Plus series and stuff, since those will probably be much more connected to the mcu than like the netflix stuff was yeah Mm -hmm. um i'm excited to see it branch out but i am also excited to see it maybe not be as interconnected for a little while um you know kind of build up some of these separate characters and threats and then i think it's pretty 
start to weave them together again later. I, I think it's pretty clear that our next big threat is going to be the Sinister Six. Uh, so I, I expect Spider-Man to get a lot of, uh, and the interesting thing about Spider-Man is that we're five years ahead now. They could, I mean, Miles, they could, you could introduce Miles Morales as a, as a classmate. Uh, of, of I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I have to point out uh, to maybe people that don't know that um, Far From Home is the final movie in the Sony Marvel agreement. To our knowledge, uh, they have not extended that. Um, they, they will. I, I believe they will. I believe Feige is on record as saying at one point that Spider-Man would be the future face of the MCU. And I have a feeling he would not have said that if he wasn't extremely confident. But there was also a Sony exec fairly recently that said. Who's like, we'd be crazy to. They don't have intentions to pull him out. Yeah, they're like, it's never happened before. I... And it might never happen again after this next movie. Um, I, I think probably what's likely to happen is Sony negotiates some merchandising rights that mm-hmm. they, you know, gave up mm-hmm. at some point back to keep Spidey in. They might play hardball, but I yeah. think they're I not going to prob- let Spidey go. <laughs> I think I think they'll probably I think he'll probably stay, but I think Sony might, you know, pull some stuff behind the scenes to I, get more money out of it. I think it's a one hundred percent certainty certainty yeah. that he's going to stay uh, because also- because. That, that character, the, the, those movies are only as popular as they are right now because they're in the MCU. Like the mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man movies weren't great and they didn't, they, they underperformed at the box office. Um, and, so, and, and Sony knows what's going to happen if they, if they remove, I mean, there's going to be a massive backlash. And uh, also I think, I think, you know, since Peter is still young in the MCU, like there's a lot of room for him to years. grow in, yeah, mm-hmm. grow into like a mentor character in the long run. Which is why I don't think Miles is coming in anytime soon. I think Miles will come in eventually. I don't think he's coming in anytime soon because I think there's still a lot more to do with Peter since he's still quite young. Yeah, well, like, clearly we don't know what happens in Far From Home, but like that, yeah. just just the opening lines of that trailer is like mm-hmm. Peter saying, "Like, oh, well, we need a new Iron Man." Like, I, they're definitely setting him up to be yeah. that. Give us, give that us, line. give us Matthew McConaughey's Norman Osborn to do the Hammer storyline. Oh yes, <laughs> I could that, get on yeah. board with that. Um, do, do give it that that would give us. I mean, as a new Iron Man, I mean, you know, because I mean, Norman Osborn becomes Norman Osborn is the Iron Patriot in the MCU, not Rhodey. And um, I, I feel, yeah, no, Maddie, you didn't yeah. know that. No, that's yeah. Weird. Norman, Norman Osborn is the Iron Patriot, and. Uh, and uh, that's when they formed the Dark Avengers, uh, and uh, and Shield gets shut down, and Hammer is instituted with Norman Osborn as the director of Hammer. And um, I would love for them to to introduce Norman Osborn as kind of like uh, another MCU big bad that could threaten multiple multiple characters. Um, so yeah, bring it. And I think I feel like Matthew McConaughey would be an amazing Norman. Osborn. One of the things I'm most excited about for the future, and I hope they do is I've loved how they've started more organically inserting characters into each other's movies. Um, Black Widow in Iron Man two was really jarring, but the banner and in Thor team up in Ragnarok. Uh, I thought Natasha and Steve and winter soldier worked really well together uh, I want to yeah. see more of these natural crossovers. You got Nick Fury popping up in Far From Home with Peter. Like, yeah. uh, I just want to see more of this. Like, hey, it's just these characters that all inhabit this world, and two of them are just in this movie together. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to see another thing like in Ant Man where he's like, oh, guess what? You have to like all of a sudden it's like, guess what? You're sneaking into the Avengers combine. Yeah. Yeah. you have to no. fight Falcon. Yeah. Falcon, Falcon felt like a boss fight in that movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, just like, felt that, like a boss fight. <laughs> And, but I could watch a whole series of Thor, Hulk, buddy cop movies. Like I could just mm-hmm. like give me all of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, we're just over an hour. Did you guys have any any final thoughts? Anything else you wanted to add before we call it? Mm, no, just just the I, I I could not be happier with the way this movie turned out. I I absolutely loved it. I adore this film. Deal. If. If anything, I really like it how. I'm sorry if this ends on a downer, but I really like it how uh, Endgame recontextualized uh, Strange in Infinity War. Like his his regret that he knows he's going to sacrifice Tony. Mm-hmm. That's true because Strange even says, uh, "When it comes to you and Peter and the Stone, like I will not hesitate to sacrifice either yeah. one of you." And in a way, that's what he did because he knew all along. 
So that's a very, very good point. I didn't, I didn't consider that till just now. Um, Maddie or Justin? Uh, um, I, I think I said everything about I wanted to say. I, I was just very impressed at how satisfying uh, this movie was and how fitting of an end to some of these characters it was. And I'm excited for where it goes next. Yeah, even like I can't believe they pulled it off. And like even on the second viewing, <laughs> I got like the adrenaline shakes in the last hour <laughs> and then when everybody comes out of the portal like i still got chills the second time mm -hmm. like just that that moment the avengers assemble moment i don't think anybody will top that for a very long time for like, like the most exciting even moment like i was even saying before infinity war came out i didn't think we were going to get that everyone all together battle until end game yeah, and so like, like it was hmm. so it was something i've literally been expecting for years and it still gave me like <laughs> like chills yeah there it's definitely a, it's definitely a testament to like the strength of their their writing their plan mm -hmm. their just like the consistent quality that the final because like end of avengers big fight against cg gray aliens i could not care less about that mm -hmm. fight but like I was 100% in on this hour-long fight against gray CG aliens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. Uh, Avengers Endgame is uh, just approaching $2.2 billion at the global box office. It'll be uh, probably catching Avatar within the next few weeks. I don't think there's any way it doesn't reach it at this point. Um, but... Uh, make sure you guys go see it. If you've listened to this episode, I hope to God you've seen it. Go see it a second time. Uh, soak in all the little details. There's so much going on there. And it's such a wonderful conclusion to this 22 film saga uh, that we've all experienced over the last decade of our lives. Uh, until then, we will catch you guys next time on for a Pause for Popcorn when we review Avatar 2. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,